Hi, everybody. My name is Patricia, and I'm a Marketing Communications Coordinator at Stressmark Biosciences. I will be hosting this podcast. I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Alessia Shortino, who is a PhD candidate in the Neuropathology Group at the University of Luxembourg. Thank you so much for joining us, Alessia. Hi. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be the first uh, guest in this podcast series. Yeah, I'm very excited to chat with you. And thanks again for taking the time to join us. Um, I'd like to start out, if you could please give us a bit of a broad overview about what type of research you're doing in neuropathology. Yeah, so uh, my uh, research actually focuses on uh, Parkinson's disease, and in particular, I am interested in studying the early events uh, that occur during uh, neurodegeneration in Parkinson. So all these uh, uh, events which actually precede and uh, are probably causative of the death of the neurons. So the idea of um, of my project is uh, to identify key molecular features which are shared by different models of uh, Parkinson's disease, and that can be uh, targeted either in a therapy or uh, to be used as uh, biomarkers. So uh, the whole uh, research actually started from uh, the characterization of one model, which was uh, developed by my supervisor at Allen Pharmaceuticals. And uh, this model is known as Line 3, is a model which uh, uh, overexpressed, uh, a mouse model, sorry, that overexpressed a mutated uh, uh, form of uh, human synuclein bearing the E46K uh, mutation, which has been found in some patients. Because this model actually uh, reproduces very clearly uh, the early events of uh, neurodegeneration because it presents a uh, uh, degeneration in the striatum, which is not accompanied by uh, the death of the neurons in the substantia nigra. So this uh, uh, really mimics what happens also in uh, patients, what is known to happen in patients where the neurodegeneration starts in the axons of the neurons and then proceeds back to the neuronal body. So starting from this, we performed some uh, gene expression analysis and we identified some pathways which uh, uh, are related to PD. But of course, uh, as you know already, Parkinson's disease does not only come in one shape. So we have uh, uh, forms of Parkinson's disease which are inherited, other forms which are sporadic. Parkinson's disease can be um, with an early onset or can have a, a late onset, can be very severe or can be mild. So one model is not enough to uh, target really all neurodegenerative events in Parkinson's disease. So our idea is now to study different models of Parkinson's disease and uh, identify neurodegenerative processes which are shared in order to uh, grasp as much much as possible, the variety of uh, PD. Wow, thank you. So uh, that sounds like a very interesting approach, uh, trying to look at what happens before uh, the pathology and the degeneration happens, as opposed to, you know, after postmortem investigations. Could you please tell us a bit about... um, kind of what's different in your approach and your research as opposed to what other researchers are doing in the space? 
Oh, that's actually a very good question. Yeah, so as I was uh, uh, saying before, we focus on uh, the early events of neurodegeneration, and in particular, we look at the gene expression changes. But, uh, uh, and this is not new actually, but uh, when you uh, perform gene expression analysis, what you get is usually a list of genes, sometimes a very long list of genes. And uh, then this with these genes, you don't really know what to do because uh, you cannot go one by one and investigate them because it will take forever. So it's either you select randomly some genes which look more interesting or you just uh, leave the study like that. It's a very descriptive study. Another step that you can take is to uh, identify pathways which are deregulated accordingly to uh, the gene which are um, expressed differently in your model compared to uh, the controls. But even there, after you list the pathways, you don't really go that much far because, uh, in fact, what you find out uh, most of the time is just uh, pathways which have been previously connected with PD, such as uh, mitochondrial dysfunction or protein aggregation. So that's why we decided to move a step further in this process and in this analysis. And we decided to look to um, transcriptional factors which act as uh, master regulators of uh, uh, pathways. And in particular, our idea is to identify the pathways which are deregulated in more than one model. But uh, of course, it's very difficult that uh, different models will give us uh, uh, the same genes uh, which are uh, um, differentially expressed. So what we want to do is to identify the pathway and then uh, uh, identify transcriptional factors which regulate the pathway at the uh, upstream level. So targeting this way, the pathway at all its uh, different levels. And this is something that uh, it's quite new does not been uh, uh, done very often and not in uh, uh, PD for what uh, for what I know. And to do so, we uh, combine uh, RNA sequencing with uh, attack sequencing, which allow us to map uh, transcriptional factors uh, on the genome. Wow. Okay. Um, thank you. So to clarify, you're looking more at kind of entire entire pathways that would be involved in PD as opposed to focusing on individual genes? So it's like uh, when you do just the uh, gene expression analysis, you see the genes which are deregulated. Okay. But uh, this is just, uh, it's like, uh, it's the outcome. So we don't know exactly, it's, for example, the overexpression of alpha cytokine, if it impacts uh, directly the uh, expression of a thousand gene, or if it impacts, it's targeting something upstream that then affects uh, all the downstream genes. So this is the idea. So you have a lot of genes which are deregulated in different pathways. Since you cannot target each gene one by one, an idea to repristinate the pathway, to bring back uh, the functionality of the pathway, is to target those factors that are responsible uh, upstream for the control of the whole pathway itself. So if the pathway, for example, is uh, uh, overall downregulated, what you can do is if you identify transcriptional factors which are responsible for the activation of this pathway, you can target those uh, and upregulate those factors to bring back up the activation of this pathway. Thank you for clarifying. Um, yeah, so it sounds like a very complex process looking at all these different pathways and how they're uh, regulated upstream. What are some of the challenges that uh, you encounter doing this research? 
So in fact, the main challenge that I've encountered up to now is uh, relative to uh, the models that we use. So using a, a in, an in vivo approach, so using mouse model is very convenient in the sense that uh, the mice are uh, a three-dimensional system. They are uh, alive, <laughs> of course, and uh, uh, they um, offer a, a three-dimensional environment. So you have a perfectly functional brain, uh, which is quite similar in terms of uh, structure and functioning to the human brain. You have uh, uh, neurons that uh, interact with uh, microglia, astrocytes, so it's uh, in a totally like functional environment. So it's not just a selective uh, analysis. So you can have an overview of everything that is normally occurring on the brain, but at the same time, this makes it very complex uh, to interpret the results. So uh, sometimes what we have, we have observed is that, uh, for example, the overexpression of synuclein itself uh, uh, does not uh, mean that the mouse will develop a PD-like phenotype. Sometimes uh, we can see alteration both in uh, uh, phenotypes, so for example, the walking pattern of the mice and uh, in the gene expression, so differential expressed genes in our models compared to the controls. But uh, uh, we also have to check that uh, the alteration that we see are really relatable to PD because we actually don't really know what happens uh, in the mouse during the development when alpha-synuclein is overexpressed. So we have found sometimes results which are not really directly transferable to uh, PD and uh, PD study. Okay, thank you. So it sounds like there's a lot going on in this area. Um, can you tell us a bit more about which models you're planning to investigate next or what your next steps will be when looking into this? Yes. So on uh, one side, uh, since, uh, as I said, we want to uh, investigate uh, as many uh, features which are involved in Parkinson's disease as possible. We want to integrate the uh, alpha-synuclein models that we have already with models uh, which uh, are not based on synuclein. So to have uh, uh, both uh, um, synuclein-dependent and synuclein-independent PD. So we also are using uh, DJ1 knockout models and uh, we are considering on introducing a parking knockout uh, uh, model and maybe other uh, genetic model to our studies. We are also taking advantage of uh, uh, published uh, databases uh, based on other models, which uh, uh, can allow us uh, to get uh, uh, the genes, so a gene list, uh, without having to breed the mice ourselves and establish the line in our lab. And uh, on the other hand, since, as I was saying, uh, the interpretation of results can be very complex with uh, uh, mouse models, so with in vivo models, I'm also moving now on uh, in vitro models. So I plan on using uh, uh, neuronal cells. In particular, I have uh, lumus cells, uh, which can be differentiated into neurons, uh, both uh, uh, like normal cells and uh, uh, DJ1 knockdown cells that I want to treat with uh, uh, synuclein fibrils. In fact, uh, my lab has been using uh, synuclein fibrils for uh, uh, the past couple of years and uh, uh, both in vivo, so in mice and uh, in vitro on uh, uh, primary microglial cultures and also human microglial cell lines uh, with a major focus on inflammation. And I want to use now the same approach, but uh, applying it in neurons to study uh, gene expression changes which occur in neurons after the treatment with fibrils. And uh, for this, 
I'm planning on using the uh, human uh, fibers, the type 1 fibers, and the uh, monomers from which they are uh, synthesized from a stress mark. Okay, perfect. That sounds like kind of a lot on your to-do list in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you mind uh, going into a little bit more detail about um, kind of why so many models are necessary and what goes into kind of picking which ones to investigate or narrowing it down or not narrowing it down? In fact, this depends on uh, uh, what you are trying to investigate because uh, uh, synuclein models can be very uh, useful uh, and trust, so the knowledge can be transferred to uh, Parkinson's disease cases which are directly related to uh, synuclein. So, for example, in a model which expresses uh, mutated alpha synuclein, you can get uh, um, an idea on what's uh, what's happening and what is causing the disease. But this is uh, transferable only to uh, those uh, cases, those patients which present and the same uh, alpha synuclein mutation. Models which overexpress uh, wild type uh, synuclein can also be used for sporadic uh, Parkinson's disease, for example, because uh, synuclein is known to aggregate both in uh, inherited and uh, sporadic Parkinson's disease. So uh, it's uh, that's a common feature. So uh, if you don't have a specific mutation, you can just study uh, the aggregation process and uh, how the aggregation impacts the development and the progress of the pathology. Other models, so other genetic models, uh, like uh, LARC2 models, DJ1 models, again, are mostly limited to investigate uh, uh, those uh, specific mutations, so those uh, uh, inherited cases which present that specific mutation. And of course, uh, there is the need of uh, uh, both because uh, um, since there are different types uh, of PD, some people question that it's not even the same disease, it's just different diseases with a very common uh, outcome. So of course you need uh, uh, all of them. And um, it's also true that uh, when you uh, try to model the disease, you just get uh, um, details of uh, what's really going on uh, in the patient because uh, uh, we cannot exclude uh, the environmental impact uh, during the life of the patient on the pathology. And this is something that uh, we cannot really model just with uh, a mutation or an overexpression in a mouse model. So the more models you have, uh, the most likely it is that you can identify something that if it's shared, it's probably really and truly connected and responsible for PD. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It sounds like PD is so versatile in the way that it presents itself that of course we would need different models to kind of look at different aspects. Uh, to, to better serve the patients. Thank you so much for kind of explaining everything so in depth and uh, thank you for joining us. Best of luck with your research in the future and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.